Good afternoon. Welcome to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We look forward to having you on the show. Thanks for joining us. This afternoon's episode is titled, Wait, I Say on the Lord. It shall be focused on Psalms chapter 27. Before we go any further, we'll begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for Thy word, which we're learning in this scripture, saying, Lord, in the time of trouble, you shall hide us in your pavilion. In the secret of your tabernacle shall you hide us. You shall set us upon a rock. We thank you for the rock of revelation of the word of this last day, which you set us upon. You have hidden us, Lord, like your bride in your word. You said, the name of the Lord is a mighty tower, and the righteous run into it and are safe. Restored, Lord, the true understanding of the Godhead, and Lord, you have hidden us in the name of Jesus Christ. Through baptism, Lord, through the Holy Spirit, we are safe and safe forevermore. So speak to us today out of thy word, and may we hear from it, and may it wash us from our sins. In the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Psalms chapter 27. Psalm 27, a psalm of David. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou saidst, Seek ye my face. My heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon by Reverend William Burnham titled The Rapture. This was preached in 1965 on December the 4th. We'll begin at paragraph 27. I trust you find it to be a blessing. In the book of Psalms, now I want to speak on a, a real strange subject tonight, just for a little while. I've got some scriptures written down here, and, and I thought maybe that 
Tonight I was going to speak on something different, but see the time get away. Well, I, I didn't want to stay that long, so I just turned over here and got some more Scripture. And uh, I want to speak on the subject of the rapture. See? Now, we believe that there will be a rapture. All Christians believe that. That's Bible readers believes that there will be a rapture. And now to read for uh, some background, we read the 25th uh, Psalm. Uh, I mean, I beg your pardon, the 27th Psalm, one to five verses. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fell. Though the host should encamp about me, my heart shall not Fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to require in His temple. For in the time of trouble... He shall hide me in the pavilion, and in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me up on a rock. May the Lord add his blessings to that reading of his word. Now, today, speaking on this subject, and now some of you may different the, the avenues that I take, but how many here believe that the Bible teaches there will be a rapture of the church? Yes, sir, that's right. A catching away of the church. Whether you're uh, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, or whoever you are, Pentecostal, there will be a catching away. And I think that in speaking, I, I just don't try to get up here to say something that I think would please the people. I've never been guilty of that. I want to get up here and say something as I feel led to say it, that I think would be a help to you. Something that would further your experience with God if you are a Christian, and if you're not a Christian, make you so ashamed of yourself that you will become a Christian. And that's the purpose that I've always tried to uh, line up my thoughts as the Lord would lead me. Now, we are warned that in the doctrine of this in the last days, will be scorned at. If you would, let's just read that just a minute. It's in Second um, uh, Peter, the third chapter. Let's read just a moment on this, the third chapter and the third and fourth verses. Let's see if this isn't right. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of His coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water, and the wa and in the water, whereby the worlds that was being overflowed with water perished. Now we see that. The reason that this subject is so lightened at is because that the prophet here has said that in this last days these scoffers would come saying these things. 
It's predicted. The reason that people are acting today the way they're acting, why you certainly are expecting it, because the Bible said that in the last days they'd be heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, truce-breakers, false accusers, incontinent despisers of those that are good, having a form of godliness and denying the power thereof, from such turn away? Can we look for an impersonation of truth? Certainly, when Moses went down into Egypt uh, to deliver the children of Israel with only a stick in his hand for vindication, with the God of heaven behind him, he performed a miracle. There come impersonators behind him and doing the same thing he did. See? Now, they come second after he did it first, and they come around because they were copying after what he did, impersonating the original. We find that. And now you say, well, that was in the days of Moses. But the same scripture says that they'll come again in the last days. A Jambres and Jambres withstood Moses. So will these men of reprobate mind concerning truth. See? Impersonations. All kinds of things to upset people. And then if this rapture which is coming to pass and anything that God has in the line of His Word, there's always something to come out to upset that if they can. It's, it's, it's Satan's purpose to do that. As the brother here from the meeting up there at Las Vegas said, Satan said the world was his dominion and, and that being his headquarters up there. I know that Satan is the God of this world. Every nation under heaven is controlled by him. Exactly, this world belongs to Satan. But Jesus will take it over. He offered it to him one day and he refused it. But he said, because he knew he'd be heir to it in the times to come scoffers just just take for a few moments on that one word before we go further scoffers I was reading a paper about two weeks ago in Tucson that where some Englishman from England had uh, made a statement is in headlines in a paper that the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ was only faked between Pilate and Jesus that he come to make a just uh, make himself something and there's no way that we could disprove that to him because all the things of God is to be received by faith. We must believe it. Now, he went ahead to give a description how that that could be done. Here not long ago in that great nation, London and England, rather, where that John Wesley and Charles and many of those great uh, preachers of the early days, Spurgeon and them, had preached the gospel in the hay markets and everywhere there. They turned down that message of their day and look what they are in this day. That's where Brother Williams and them are tonight. It's one of the lowest degraded countries in the world. I've been over the world. But I don't know anything is so illegitimate as England. It's, uh, Billy Graham said the same thing. Why, he had to take his wife from the parks. How the, the, uh, the acts of, between men and women were going on publicly in the parks. When I was there, I never seen anything that would break a person's heart anymore than what was going on in England, which had the opportunity and one time led the world in a reformation. This shows how it can fall. But you see what does that? The message that went forth then, the Englishmen try to hold that same message for today. That won't work today. Amen. It won't work. How would, what if Moses would have come and brought Noah's message? We'll build an ark and float down the Nile. It wouldn't have worked. And neither would Jesus' message ever work of Moses. And neither will Wesley's message ever work in Luther or Luther's West message, vice versa. And today, we're, our last great reformation was Pentecost. 
And today we're moving from that. And a Pentecostal message won't mix with this because it's another day. It's all the Word of God, but it's building like the feet, arms coming up. It's forming a bride for the rapture. You don't, don't displace them people back there. They live to their message. All them will come out that was in the bride. Just like life going through a stalk of wheat. It leaves the wheat, the hull, but the wheat forms itself like the grain of wheat that fell in the ground. Here not long ago, I was reading a book. Some German wrote in criticism. He said of all of the, of the fanatics in the world, William Branham tops them all. He said, why, he's nothing but a, he's a, he's a magician. He does these things. See, the man not knowing. And then the man was a critic. He didn't even believe in God. He said a God that could set up in the dark ages, hold his hands across his tummy, and laugh at a bunch of Christians being mothers. And his own disciples are supposed to be mothers with little children and things, and let lions eat them up and never even turn a hand. You see where the carnal mind, where education and things can't catch the vision? That carnal wheat had to fall into the ground. Just like Jesus had to fall to rise again, so did the church of Pentecost had to fall. It had to go into the ground. Them dark ages, any wheat, any grain that goes into the ground, it has to lay in that dark time to bring forth, but it started sprouting in Martin Luther. Come on through Wesley, on out into Pentecost, now into the go out to the grain. And now the denominational systems that they left behind, their stocks. That's all. It's to be burnt, the denominational system. But the real grain of wheat that come out of each one of those reformations will be caught up in the bride. It all together will make the bride. Now we find out in England there, they impersonated the crucifixion not long ago. A bunch of those people, them long, kids with them long hair and things, and hollering, called Jesus Daddy-O and all that stuff. That's scum. Now you said that's in London, England. Watch what was in the paper last week here in America. Some great doctor of divinity from a fine school said that the, the crucifixion was a fake. Said that Jesus only tried to make himself like that. That he had drank in this mandrake weed. And we found it in Genesis where it spoke of. It's a weed like marijuana or something. It's found in the Orient there. And if you drink it, it'll put you to sleep. Maybe in your, like your dead slump, everything, for two or three days at a time. He said when they give him vinegar and gall, it's all possible that that was mandrake wheat. And when they did, they give him that, and he went slump like he was dead. They put him in the tomb. And the lady married after two or three days, sure, going back, then he's awake again. was all right. Said he went up to India and died somewhere. An ordinary death. Trying to fake a religion. The first place, that critic. What's the matter with people? See, it's just this day we're living in scoffers. See, the day to fulfill the prophecy. God lauded his word out to each age. And each one of those ages has to manifest that. And he also foreordained man for that age to fulfill that word. Amen. Every time he lauded his word, he lauded the man for it. When he lauded Moses' time, he lauded Moses to it. When he lauded the time for the Son of God to be born, he lauded him to it. Every age, he's lauded his man. Foreordained, as the Bible said, nothing. Is, if God's infinite, almighty, all-powerful, omnipresent, omnipresent, why, he knowed all things from the beginning. So he knows there's nothing out of cater. It's just us that thinks it is. It's everything run. Look back at his word and see what he's doing. Then we'll have an understanding. Now just think. The first place, if that minister would have thought when they put that vinegar and gall in his mouth, he spit it out. He did not take it at the first place. See? Just scoffers rising. Another thing. How did this Jesus of Nazareth, how did his life fit every prophecy of the Old Testament? 
How could it have been? It couldn't have been without it being ordained of God. His life fit every prophecy of the Old Testament. Another thing, if those disciples had faked him like that, why did each one of them die and martyr him? And even the Apostle Peter said, turn my head upside down, I'm not worthy to die like him. How they took Andrew and turned him sideways on the cross. They everyone sealed their testimony in their own blood. They believed him and loved him and gave their lives for him. If he was a faker, how would they ever have done that? See, the spiritual application, the people don't get it. Here was a great man here not long ago, some great rabbi that wrote that Moses, Paul, passing through the Red Sea, said it wasn't actually water. The water's never walled up. Said what it was up at the other end of the Dead Sea, there was a bunch of reeds, and he passed through the water reeds, the reeds of the water. No water in there, just a bunch of reeds, an ocean of, of reeds they passed through. And many clergymen believe it. They accept it. Here not long ago when this uh, first uh, astronaut went up, he come back and he hadn't seen nothing of God. That even turned ministers around. They thought God lived right up there somewhere uh, 150 miles high. Why, my, how education and wisdom of this world has turned the church into a bunch of ragweeds. Uh, it's education and the educational system, science and civilization is of the devil. It's the devil's civilization. The Bible said so. And our civilization is coming on will have nothing to do with this civilization at all. It's nothing of it at all. It'll be a different civilization. Into this civilization, this scientific world we got, more science, scientific we get, further we go into death. Things, traps to kill and everything. In that new civilization, there'll be no death, no sickness, sorrow, or no pain. See? There won't be none in there. So this civilization will have to be destroyed because it's of the devil. We find out that in Genesis 4 that Cain's people started civilization, building towns and cities and so forth and instruments of music and become in science. And the people got further away from God, yet religious. But when Seth's people come on, they begin to come on, call on the name of the Lord. I talk about a settlement. I'm not here to hurt anybody's feelings, say something about a church. And if you're here and belong to this church, I'm not saying this hurts your feelings because just as many good people in there as there is uh, in other churches. But... I was reading a report last week where the Catholic Church made a statement, and we see where they're all coming together now at the great ecumenical council and so forth, just exactly fulfilling what the Bible said they'd do. Just exactly. Now, we find out they said, well, the Bible, the, some of the Protestants want to hold to that Bible. What well, said the Bible was nothing but a book, a history of the church, and they didn't have it in literature until about 250 years ago. It's always been the church that it was a church, not the Bible, and the Bible is just a history of what the church did. What a subtle lie that is. Well, we've had a Bible for 3,000 years. The Old Testament has been written in Scripture for hundreds and hundreds of years before the coming of Christ. It's just a subtle thing of the devil. And we find out in this day when this great scoffing and making fun of the Bible and trying to push it out, God's got to judge the church by something. He can't be just. They can't go down this street and arrest me and say, I'm making uh, 30 miles an hour in a 20-mile zone unless there's something there to tell me that I'm only allowed to go 20 miles. It has to be there. And God's going to judge the church, is going to judge the people someday. We know that there's a judgment coming. So if he's going to judge it by the Catholic Church, which Catholic Church? If he's going to judge it by the Methodists, the Baptists is lost. If he judge it by the oneness, the twoness is lost. See? What's he going to judge it by? He said he would judge it by Christ. 
And Christ is the Word. So it's the Word of God that God will judge. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, the same yesterday, today, and forever. See? So He'll judge it by His Word. And now we find out that in this day when they're trying to push the Bible out, except the church, the Bible, don't want it, the church, so they can just make any kind of a creed or anything else and walk by it. Well, as I was speaking the other night at Shreveport, in the, the communion, when they killed that sacrificial lamb, there was to be no leaven among them through the entire seven days. There no leaven. No leaven bed. Everything had to be unleavened. That represented the seven church ages that we get in the book here. And there's no leaven. What is something mixed with it. And we're mixed creed and denomination and everything else with the Word and still try to call it the Word. No leaven shall be the entire seven days. And even what is eat today, don't try to keep it for tomorrow. Burn it with fire before daylight come. For there's a new message coming for it and a new thing. See, try to hold it over. But that's been the attitude of the church. A revival goes forth. The first thing you know, within about three years, they start an organization over it. The denomination starts an organization. But have you noticed, this has been sweeping for 20 years now. And there's no organization. And there never will be. This is the end. The wheat's come back to the wheat again. The wheat's come back to its grain. The shuck is pulled away from it. And the wheat must lay in the presence of the sun to be ripened. Isn't it a strange thing that not long ago on the East Coast, the big blackout, they couldn't understand it. Texas blacked out last week. They can't understand it. Don't you realize that that's a sign? Don't you know the nations are breaking? Israel's in her homeland. And these signs are indicating that we are at the end. At the same time it's blacking out, don't you know that's a sign that the prophet said that but there shall be light about the evening time? That there will be a light come forth in the evening time? When the blackouts and things are going the way they are now? Look at just how it blacked out. The Pope just come over here. Remember if the tabernacle, when them, you got tapes, I guess all of you take them. How the, the Lord showed there that day in the tabernacle exactly where those church ages would be and how they would be. And I had them drawn out on the board. Up there, them church ages, which you see here, drawn out in the book. And if that Holy Spirit didn't come down in a big pillar of fire and went right back on that wall and drawed them out himself while three or four hundred people sitting looking at it. And just if the Pope started over here, the moon somehow blacked out and they took the pictures the same way that it was drawn up there on the platform. Now he's made his trip over here on the 13th, walked 13 steps, served communion of 13 to a nation's number 13, and blackouts coming everywhere. Don't you see where we're at? We're at the end time. Scoffers shall rise in the last days. Say there's no difference in the time than what it was, than what our fathers fell asleep. But when you see these things begin to happen, raise up your head. Get ready. Something could happen at any time. Christ come for His church. Now, they don't believe it because it is, uh, it's, uh, they, they're spo- they don't realize that they're the ones that's fulfilling the Scriptures. The people really don't realize that doing these things and saying these things, they're fulfilling the Scriptures. How little did Caiaphas as a high priest and all those de- priests in that day that scoffed and made fun of him didn't know that the very God that they were singing about my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The 22nd Psalm. My hands and my feet they pierced. Singing that in the temple and him dying out there on the cross. Amen. Little did they know they were doing it. Even Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. 
because they were actually predicted by the Scriptures to be blind. Did you know the Protestant and Catholic Church is predicted in the last days to be blind? The same thing to the Scriptures with Christ on the outside trying to get in? Because thou sayest, I am rich and have need of nothing, nor thou not that thou art miserable, poor, wretched, naked, and blind, and don't know it. Revelation 3. There you are, back to the blindness again, trampling over the things of God as if they it didn't mean nothing to them, scoffing and making fun of it. That's what the Bible said. But to the church, the bride, the rapture is a revelation to her. It's revealed to her that the revelation, the true bride of Christ, will be waiting for that revelation of the rapture. Now, it is a revelation, for the revelation is faith. You cannot have a revelation without it being faith. Faith is a revelation because it's something that's revealed to you. Faith is a revelation. Faith is something that has been revealed to you like it was to Abraham that could call anything contrary to what had been revealed to him as though it wasn't so. Now, faith, that's what faith is, is the revelation of God. The church is built upon a revelation. The whole entire body. Here a few weeks ago, I was talking to a fine Baptist minister. He come up to discuss with me. He said, I like you as a man, but said, you're all mixed up. I said, and I pray you help me get straight down. He said, with the scripture, he said, uh, we'll never be able, Brother Branham, to get the things together till we get every word upon word upon word exactly with the Greek and so forth. I said, oh, sir, you know better than that. I said, even in the Nicaea Council, way back as far as that, 300 years from the death of Christ, they were still debating which Greek scholar was right. You can know it's a revelation. The whole thing is, he said, I cannot accept revelation. I said, then how can you accept Christ? He said, well, the Bible said, he that believeth is, uh, on Jesus Christ has everlasting life. I said, that is true. It also says that no man can call Jesus to Christ only by the revelation of the Holy Ghost that's revealed it to him. Amen. There you are, right back around again. Paul's right back to the revelation. It's got to be revealed. In the Bible, Cain and Abel didn't have a Bible to read, but it was revealed to Abel. By faith, which is a revelation, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than that of Cain, which God testified that he was righteous. When Jesus was asked here in Matthew 16, 17, and 18, we haven't time to read it, but if you want to write it down, he said, Who does man say, I, the Son of Man, am? One of them said, You're Moses or Elias or something. He said, But who do you say I am? He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonas, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. My Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. Upon this rock, the spiritual revelation of who God is, who Jesus is. And He is the revelation of God. God made in flesh and revealed to the world. He was in the world. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself, revealing what God was in a body of flesh. Thou art the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God. He said, flesh and blood never revealed this to you. But my Father which is in heaven has revealed this to you. Upon this rock I'll build my church. The revelation of the word in its season. I'll build my church and the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. The book of the Revelations is the last book of the Bible. It's sealed to unbelievers. In there the Bible says in the 22nd chapter, Whosoever shall take one word from it or add one word to it, I'll take his part from the book of life. We realize that then it was altogether given for believers. And it opens the book of Revelations 
and reveals who the author of this entire book is. He used to look upon as Alpha and Omega, from Genesis to Revelations, Jesus Christ, just the same, right straight through. And reveals his complete mystery of himself and his plans for his church ages that's to come and was sealed in there by seven seals. Now the book was written, but then remember it was sealed with seven seals and these seven seals was not to be opened, Revelations 10, until the sounding of the last earthly angel on earth, Revelations 10, 7. And as the days of the sounding of the last angel's message, seventh angel, the mystery of God should be finished in that age. And that's the age that we're living in. We all know we're living in the Laodicea age. There will never be another age to it. It can't be. So we're living in the Laodicea age, and these seven seals that help that book as a mystery to people should be open at that day. That's what he promised. Now, it won't be nothing outside the Word because you can't add to the Word or take from the Word. It's got to remain always the Word, but the revelation is to reveal the truth of it, what it is to make it fit with the rest of Scripture, and then God vindicates that to be the truth. See, God don't need no interpreter. He's His own interpreter. He does His own interpretation by bringing to pass the things that He said would happen. Like in the beginning, He said, Let there be light. There was light. I don't need any interpretation. It was vindicated. Now he promised certain things in this last day in the Scripture. Well, there it was. That's how Jesus was the Son of God. He promised to send him. When he was in his days here on earth and the people couldn't believe him, he said, search the Scripture. For in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they that testify of me. If I do not the works of my Father, then believe me not. But if you can't believe me, believe the works that I do because they testify who I am. Well then, in Wesley's age, the works that he did testified who he was. In Luther's age on the Reformation, well sure, it testified who he was. In the days of the Pentecostals, the restoring back of the gifts, the restoration of the gifts, speaking in tongues and casting out devils and the gifts, why well, it testified. There was no joke about it. People said, when they first raised up, I read the Books on the history of Pentecost that said it can't last long, it'll burn down. It's still burning. Why? It's because you'll never put it out. God said it would be there. It's that portion of the Word. And no more could you put that out. And then when the bride is being called out, how are you going to put it out? It's a revelation of the manifestation of the Word made true. And we're living in that day. Praise be to God. The revelation of the mystery of Himself. Now the rapture is only, this rapture that we're talking about, is only for the bride. Remember the Bible said, and the rest of the dead live not for a thousand years. This great rapture. If there's not a rapture, friends, where are we at? What are we going to do? What age are we living in? What promise do we have? There is going to be a rapture. The Bible says there will be, and it will be only for the elected, the elected lady, the bride in this day that's pulled out. The church, the very word church means called out of. As Moses called a nation out of a nation, the Holy Spirit is calling a bride out of a church, a church out of a church. Members from every denomination making up a bride. Bride tree, it's in in the tape. 
The bride tree. A bride coming out call, and that's the one that the bride tree is, the, the bride rather, is the one that's going to be in the rapture. That alone. Nothing but the bride. The elected ones, foreknown by God. From the beginning, the Father's spiritual chains. Let me just stop here a minute. If I keep getting nervous thinking I'm going, to hold, I'm going to hold you too long. But notice, look, each one of you people, do you know years before you were born, you were in your father as a Jane? That's right, a germ of seed was in your father comes from the male sake, not the female. Female furnishes a a bedding ground. But the germ come from the father. Now, say, in my father, or my son sitting here, when I was 16 years old, my son was in me. I didn't know him, but he was there. Now, through a bedding ground, through holy wedlock, he becomes in the image of me. I know him. I can fellowship with him. And he comes just at the time when it's the right time. Now, so were you in, if you've got eternal life, you were a in God before there ever was a world. You are a part, a son of God, an attribute of God. He knew the very age you were coming. He predestinated you to that age to take that place and no one else can take it. Care how many impersonations and things you've got to be there because he knew you'd be there. Now, you are made manifest. Now you can fellowship with him, and that's what he wants. He's longing for fellowship, to be worshipped. But if your life did not always was as an attribute in God, you're just a mimic of Christianity. There'll be millions and billions of them. They'll just be mimics of Christianity. A remark that I made just recently. I was watching Brother Demas Shakarian over there when he was having high-breeding cattle. Watch the test tubes and so forth. Been taken in by doctors and watching these things. In the literal discharge of the male, there's somewhat a million germs comes forth from the male at each a time. And somewhat a million eggs comes from the female at the same time. But did you know in all them little germs moving around, a million of them, there's only one of them ordained to life? And there's only one egg fertile? And that little germ will crawl out right through every one of them other little germs, right over the top of every little germ looking just like him, and come over the top of that and come over here and find that fertile egg and crawl into it, and then all the rest of them die? Well, talk about the virgin birth, which well, not half his mystery, it's a, it's a physical birth. How it's foreordained, predestinated by God. Now, in the beginning, way back, way years ago, before there was a time began, you, if you are a born-again Christian tonight, you were in God than your Father. Amen. That's why when you come into this life here and profess Christianity, you want everything going wrong, you wonder why this isn't all this, it, you wondered at it. But one day something struck you. What was it? That life that was down in there from the beginning. And it, it, a little story about the eagle, finding it, his mother finding the eagle. You've heard me preach on that. How that little eagle was hatched under a hen. But she, her habits of trying to feed them, them chickens, the little eagle couldn't stomach it because he wasn't a chicken to begin with. Yet he was in the pen with the chickens and followed the chickens. 
But she'd scratch in the barnyard and things, and the little eagle couldn't stand it. But every time she would cluck and everything, all the little chickens go, so he'd go too. But one day his mother knew that she had laid two eggs, not one. There had to be another one somewhere. She went to hunt it, flying around, circling. Finally, she came over to the barnyard, and she found her baby, and she screamed to him. It was a voice that he realized that that's the thing that fit. That was what he's looking for. See? And he realized then that he wasn't a chicken. He was an eagle. And that's the way it ever born again Christian. When you come, I don't care how many denominations you join, how many names you put your name on the books and things. When that real word of God is vindicated and made true before you like that, you realize you're an eagle right there. Because all this plucking of the hen, you join this and join this and go this way and that way. It's nonsense. It's a genuine adding word to word. When a germ comes into the womb of a of the female, it don't take on you. You didn't become a human germ from your father, and then the next thing you become a germ from a dog, and the next thing from a cat, and the next thing from a chicken. It's all human germ. And the body of Jesus Christ, the bride will be part of His body, which will He was the Word, and the bride will have to be the Word. Word added to Word, add to Word. Luther's justification, Wesley's sanctification, Pentecostal's baptism with the Holy Spirit, restoration of gifts, and all the rest of it goes with it. It's got to be word on top of word. Germ on top of germ. Life on top of life. To bring out the full statue of the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you remember you was an attribute. And now the thing of it is, after we find out these things, that Christ is coming for His bride, now how do we get into that bride? That's the question. Many say, join our congregation. One of them wants a certain type of baptism. One wants to do this or that. One said you must speak with tongues or you haven't got it. The other said you don't have to speak with tongues. This one says you must dance in the Spirit. This says you must shout. This has got a sanchez in. It's all all right, and then still it's all wrong. How could a man that's, or a woman or a child of God that's born of the Spirit of God deny the Word of God? When God Himself interpreted it and said, this is it. I promised it. Here it is. Showing it just as plain as they can, why they're bound to see it. See, how could Christ deny his own word? If Christ is in you, it can't deny his own word. Then how do we get into this body? First Corinthians 12, by one spirit we're all baptized into this body. By one Holy Spirit baptism. Now, if you want to put that down, that's first Corinthians twelve, thirteen. And by one spirit we are all baptized, and the spirit is the life of Christ. Is that right? Yes. The life of Christ and the life of any seed which He was, the Word seed, brings the seed to life. You get it? If that, if that life is laying in the seed and this baptism of the Holy Spirit comes upon it, it's bound to bring that seed life. As I told you here at Phoenix not long ago, I was talking to Brother John Sheriff. And I was out there and he showed me a tree, a citrus. He's, he raised a lot of citrus fruit. And he showed me one tree that had eight or nine different kinds of fruit on it. And I said, Brother Sherry, what kind of tree is that? It's an orange tree. I said, why is the lemon and the tangerine and tangelo and grapefruit? He said, it's all citrus fruit. They're grafted. Oh, I said, I see now next year it'll all have oranges. But Oh, no. Each tree will bear its own. Each lamb will bear its own fruit. Many of you fruit growers know that you're in, in this citrus valley. It'll bear its own. You put a lemon a branch in an orange tree, it'll bear lemons. 
Because it's the nature of a citrus fruit, yet it won't bear the original fruit. And that's what we've done. We've grafted in, taken in with creeds and so forth, and grafted in each year. How can a Methodist bring forth anything but a Methodist child? How can any denomination bring forth anything but a denominational child? But if that tree ever puts out an original branch, it'll bring forth oranges. And then if God ever does anything in the church, it'll be original back with the Word again. Exactly. It has to be. Because the life is in the tree and it bears its own kind. Now, when we find out now there's that big church that's moved down through the ages, bearing its fruit. And as the limbs quit, they prune them off. And St. John 15, never prune the vine out. Now, I took the branches off. Cut them out because it wasn't bearing any fruit. And and we Jesus wants fruit of it for Himself. His wife must bring forth the kind of a children that He is. Then, if they don't bring forth children, bride children, word children, then it's the denominational child. Then her first love for the world and denomination, she's gone back to that. And it can't bring forth a real, genuine, born-again Christian because there's nothing there to bring it forth. It's like if you take a lemon branch and stick it in there, it'll bring a lemon. But it can't bring a orange because it wasn't there at the beginning. But it was ordained at the beginning, foreknowledge of God, predestinated and born. It has to bring forth an orange. It can't bring nothing else. That's the way at the church of the living God. When the hour comes... Everybody, you let God start to do something, everybody's got the ball and gone. See? It's always been that way. I was reading a history of Martin Luther not long ago. I said, uh, it wasn't so hard to believe that Martin Luther could protest the Catholic Church and get by with it. But said so the strange thing is he could hold his head above all the fanaticism that followed his revival and still stay straight on his justification. Just everything, impersonations and everything falling. Look at Mrs. Simple McPherson, Amy Simple McPherson. They had this temple over here. Every lady preacher had them wings and packed the Bible the same way. Just, just carnal impersonations that can't be original. That's the way the churches can't be. You let one church get something other in the city, the other church can't stand it, they get it. See? They're not original anymore. God's Word is original. It's the Word, and it has to bring forth its, time, its kind in its season. Elected, predestinated by the Father God. Now, how do we get into this church? By one Spirit. We are all baptized into this one body. Body of Christ, which is the bride, the Word. Baptized in there by the Holy Spirit. Now, let's notice whether we're in the last age or not. Now, we find out, if we turn back in Genesis, about the... Um, or about the fifth chapter, you can also turn to Luke and find out that Enoch was the seventh from Noah. Enoch there catches a serpent seed for if Cain was Abel's son, then he was the eighth. But nowhere in the Bible it said that Cain was Abel's son, or Cain, or Cain was uh, Adam's son, because as the Bible said he was of that evil one, and Adam wasn't the evil one. He was of the evil one. Now we find here that Enoch was the seventh from Noah, which was a type of the church ages. Now, all of the rest of the sixth man before him died, but Enoch was translated. Amen. Amen. Enoch was raptured. Amen. The seventh showing that it's the seventh church age that takes the rapture. Amen. Now, there's no doubt we're in the seventh church age. That's right. We all know it. 
Now it's the seventh church age that takes the rapture. All of the other six died. But Enoch was translated because he was not found. God took him. But Enoch raptured was a type of all of the rest of them dying, but the, the end-time bride will be called out of the, the rapture without death, will be called out of the seventh church age, which we are now bearing record of that age. Oh, let's dig in now real deep. Now, here also a type of the seventh church ages, which in Revelation 10, 7, that the great mystery of the book was to be unfolded by the seventh angel's message. Now, there's a messenger above always and a messenger on earth. The English word angel means a messenger. And in the seventh angel's message, while he was making his proclaiming his ministry, then when he began to sound forth his ministry, not when he started out, Jesus, when he started out, he started healing the sick and afflicted. Oh, that great rabbi, he's a prophet, and everybody wanted him in his church. But when he sat down one day and said, I and my father are one, Amen. that was different. Amen. That was different. And except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Why, well, he's a vampire. See? See, that was different. He didn't explain it. Amen. They'd already seen the manifestation, the vindication of the Word of God for his age made real and proved to him that he was that messenger of that age. And he didn't have to explain nothing. Those disciples might not have been able to explain it, but they believed it whether they could explain it or not. They sat right still and believed it. How could they tell this go to eat his flesh and drink his blood? It was impossible for him to do it. But they believed it because they were ordained. Jesus said he chose them before the foundation of the world. See? They believed it whether they could explain it or not. They still believed it. Now, watch. Now, in the seventh church age, when the seventh angel begins to sound, the mysteries of God was to be made known, right? there, The seals that the reformers had, been, had had time. Luther didn't live long enough. Neither did Wesley. The ages didn't live long enough. And reformers, they had their message of that day, and the people grasped it and denominated it. What is it? You can never beat nature. Nature always testifies God runs in continuity with nature. It has to, like the sun. The sun rises in the morning, it's a little baby born. It's weak. Ain't got much heat to it. Ten o'clock, it's coming out of high school. Middle of the day, it's entering into life. Three o'clock in the afternoon, it's getting old. Five o'clock, it's dying. Old and weak again, going back to the grave. Is that the end of it? It rises again the next morning. See? Look at the trees, how they put forth their leaves. Everything that they do. Now we find out the leaves drop off the tree. Go back. What the life goes down to the root of the tree. Is that the end of it? Comes back next spring with a new life. Now watch the churches how it's done the same thing in the Reformation. It come up. That corn of wheat fell in the ground and died under the dark age persecution. It went into the ground. It had to die. Any man spiritual can see that. Unless that seed uh, uh, dies and rot, it abides alone. And it had to go into the ground under the dark age. It lay there, rotted, and come forth in two little blades of the Lutheran church. Out of the Lutheran church, brought off four blades, swingly and so forth. From that, come on up into the tassel, which was John Wesley, the great missionary age. It dropped back. Out of there, come that deceiving age, that Pentecostal age, that corn of wheat. That Anybody ever here raise any wheat? You look at that wheat when you look at it. When you go out there and say, I've got wheat. 
You look like you got a wheat there. Open it up real close and watch. You ain't going to wheat at all. You got a shuck. Didn't Jesus warn us that in Matthew 24, 22, 4, in the last days, that the two spirits would be so close together, it would deceive the elected wheat itself, if it was possible. See? Now watch. It's a carrier. Now the life that come up through Luther was what made Wesley. The life that come out of Wesley is what made Pentecost. The life that comes out of Pentecost makes a wheat. But they are a carrier, see? The real life goes through there. The message goes through. But it's heading on up into the wheat. That's the reason the wheat come up and brings the whole thing in the rapture up here at the top. The bride itself comes out of each age. But the denominational stalk dies. Dries up. And dies. Have you noticed this last days? How it's beginning to pull away now. When that wheat begins to grow, then the, the shuck begins to get away from it. Look back in that little wheat when you look at it. Pull it open like this and look into it. And see, you've got a little bud of wheat back there. You'd have to take a 30-power scope to look into it to see the little bud of wheat back there. See? It's way back in there. But it starts growing. Now, that shuck has to be there to shelter that, to give it a chance to get out. But then when it begins to grow and the message begins to spread, then the shuck pulls away from it. And the life pulls right out of that shuck right into the wheat. It goes on. That's the way each age does. It just, it just can't beat nature. It's, that's God's continuity, the way He does things. And now, that's the age that we're living in. Right now, the seventh church age. Now, it's all to be manifested in the grain of wheat at the end. Another comeback. Now, if you take Luke, the 17th chapter, the 31st, He said, As it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man, when the Son of Man begins to reveal Himself. What is revealed, make his revelation of what he is in this day revealed out to the people. The word that's made known for the day revealed to the people by the manifestation of the Holy Spirit making that Jesus live among us. And remember, he was represented there in a man. A man, he said, as it was. Now, he read the same Bible we read, Genesis. Now, we notice in that Genesis chapter there, when Jesus was speaking about it. We find there that in that, with his back turned to that tent, and Sarah in the tent, he said, he asked a question. And she didn't believe that what was going to happen could happen. He said, I, Abraham, I'm going to visit you according to the time of life. And Sarah in the tent laughed about it. He said, why did Sarah laugh in the tent? Then how can these things be? Jesus promised, and that was him, Abraham called him Elohim, the Almighty that wasn't now the Bible predicts that it will return again in the last days Jesus said so and when you see these things begin to come to pass just remember when this starts to take in place like that then it should know that the time is nigh at the door look at the world itself look at the world Sodom if there ever was a Sodom look at the people perverted in such a perverting their minds are perverted they don't know what common decency is Look at the outlaws, sexuals, and everything. Look at our women, what a rampage it's made. Amen. Look what a rampage of indecency and moral amongst our women. And not only our, you say that's Methodist, that's Pentecostal too. That's the whole thing. Look at our man. They hang instead of the Word of God, some little tradition of a denomination, they hang on to it. Amen. Instead of coming out when they see God make Himself known perfectly. The reason they're blind, they can't see it. They never will see it. Now watch what takes place here. And this, while we hurry, I think that lady wants us to leave. I've seen her motion her hand, something other about she wants us to get out. So we better hurry. So now notice, Enoch, the type of the church. 
Here he's also typed in the seventh church age. Can you think of that? The seventh church age. Notice at the sounding of how many believe there have been seven messengers Amen. for the seventh church? Oh, we all believe it. If we believe the Bible, if we don't believe the Bible, of course, we don't believe it. But there has been, now we're living in the seventh church age. And when the Bible said that this seventh church age, when the messenger of the seventh church age begins to sound his message, that the mysteries of all the things that's been twisted up down through the age would be revealed in that time. Here we see it. The Son of Man coming among his people and doing just exactly, confirming his message as he said he would do. Here we find it in this last age. Now, and the seven watches, like the seven watches, one come, he didn't come to first watch, second, third, fourth, but come in the seventh watch. That was Enoch, the seventh, which was translated, and Noah being a type of the remnant of the Jews is to be carried over. Now, in the Bible times, talking about the watches, and nights were not divided into hours in the Bible time. Now, listen closely, because I'll hurry now, because I want the room. No, the Bible was not divided, or uh, the night was not divided in hours in the Bible time. It was divided in watches. There were three watches. Now, the first watch started at, from 9 until 12. The second watch started from 12 to 3. And the third watch of the night was counted from 3 to 6. Now, we got three, three threes, which is a nine in perfect number. Then we come back to the seven for the rapture, which will take place, I believe, between six and seven o'clock, or six and nine o'clock some morning. For the trumpet of the Lord shall sound on that bright and cloudless morning when the dead in Christ shall rise in the glory of his resurrection chair. When his chosen ones shall gather to their homes beyond the sky, when the rolls called up yonder, I'll be there. The word rapture in the Bible is not even used at all. We just put that word there. The Bible says, caught up. Amen. Being caught up. We read here in Second Thessalonians, or First Thessalonians, it is uh, uh, with the order of this great rapture that will take place in the last days. Listen to this here. We're going to begin here with 13th verse. I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others that have no hope. For if we believe Christ died and rose again, even so them which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For we say this unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain to the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, or that word prevent means to hinder, those that are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend, now listen close, the Lord himself shall descend from the heavens with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, I want you to notice a great thing taking place here now. Don't miss this. See? Now, notice the word says here in 2 Thessalonians that there's three things. Notice from the 13th to the 16th verse, there's three things that has to happen before the Lord himself appears. Quickly now so we can close. The first thing happens, notice, a shout, a voice, a trumpet. Let's read it now and see if that's right, see? For the Lord himself, 16th verse, shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. Three things happen. A voice, a shout, a voice, a trumpet. Has to happen before Jesus appears. Now, a shout. Jesus does all three of them when he's, he's, he's descending. A shout, what is a shout? It's the message. 
going forth first, the living bread of life bringing forth the bride. Now, God has a way of doing things. And He never changes His policy. He never changes His policy. He's an unchanging God. And Amos 3, 7, He said He would do nothing on the earth until first He revealed it to His servants, the prophets. And just as certain as He promised it, He'll do it. Now, we've come through the church ages, but we're promised in the last days according to Malachi 4 that there would be a return again of prophet in the land. That's right. Notice his nature and what he would be like. He's always, uh, God uses that spirit five times. Once in Elijah, in Elisha, and John the Baptist, call out the church and the remnant of the Jews. Five times grace. J-E-S-U-S-F-A-I-T-H. And it's a number of grace. See? All right. Now remember, the message is promised. And when all these mysteries has been all so bundled up by a bunch of Ecclesiastes, it will take a, a direct prophet from God to reveal it. And that's exactly what he promised to do. See? Now remember, the word of the Lord comes to the prophet. Not the theologian. The prophet. Uh, he is a reflector of God's word. He can't say nothing. He can't say his own thoughts. He can only speak what God reveals. Even to the prophet Balaam, when he was trying to be uh, sell his right, he said, how can any prophet say anything but what God puts in his mouth? It's a thing that God does that you can't say nothing else. Amen. And you're born that way no more than you could. If you could say, I, I, I can't open my eyes when you're looking. See, you can't. You can't reach your hand when you can. See, you can't be a dog when you're human. See, you're just made thus. And God has always... To, in the ages, to Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all the Elijah, and the ages gone by, when the ecclesiastical group would get everything all mixed up, he would send a prophet. Amen. Raise him up from nowhere. He'd belong to another situation and speak his word. Amen. Called off a scene and gone. This rugged man of the truth of God. And it's always the way you could tell him, he said, if there be one among you spiritual or prophet, now prophets... There's such a thing as gift of prophecy in a church, but a prophet is predestinated and foreordained for the hour. Yes, sir. Now, if a prophecy goes forth, two or three has to sit and judge whether that's right or not before the church can receive it. But nobody sat before a prophet. Because he was, he was absolutely the Word of God. He was that Word in his day. You see, God reflects. Now, God has promised to send us that again in the last days to bring that bride out of that ecclesiastical mess. And the only way it can be done. It'll never be done. The church can't receive Christ. We, the Pentecostals, we can't carry this message on in the condition the church is in today. How are we going to carry out the end time in the condition they're in today? When everyone against the other and everything else in Ecclesiastes, oh, mercy. It's a mess. It's done going into denominations and any time. I ask any historian to, to, to say different. Every time that a message went forth in the earth and when they organized it, it died right there. And Pentecost done the same thing as the old. The Pentecost that come out, you assemblies of God. When your forefathers and mothers come out of them organizations back there in the old general council, shouted and praised God, and talked against those things, and you turn like a dog to its vomit and a hog to its water and done the same thing that they did. And now so ecclesiastically, you shut up your bowels of compassion. You have to have a fellowship card before you can even associate with the army. You oneness. 
God giving you a message like that, and instead of you going ahead and just keeping humble and going ahead, you had to turn loose and organize your group. Where are you all at? The same bucket. And God's Spirit moving on. How the Lord of plant our water day and night, listen, He ordained these things to be. And He must send this. The first thing comes when He starts descending from heaven, there's a shout. What is it? It's a message to get the people together. A message comes forth first. Now, life trimming time. Rise and trim your lamps. What watch was that? The seven. Not the six, the seven. Behold, the bridegroom coming. Rise and trim your lamps. And they did. Some of them found they didn't even have any oil in their lamps. See? But it's lamp trimming time. It's Malachi 4 time. What are you from? It's Luke 17. It's, it's Isaiah, all those prophecies that it can perfectly set in order for this day in the Scripture. We see it living right there. There's no... See these things happen. My dear brother and sister, when God in heaven knows I could die on this platform right now, you, you just ought to walk around a while. Uh, it's just... It's tremendous. When you see God come from the heaven, stand before groups of men and stand there declare Himself just as He ever did. Amen. And that's the truth in this Bible open. We're here. And the denominational system is dead. It's gone. It'll never rise again. It'll be burned. That's what you do with the husk on the field. Flee from it. Get into Christ. Don't say, I belong to Methodist, I belong to Baptist, I belong to Pentecostal. You get into Christ. And if you're in Christ, there's not a word written in here, but what you believe, it, I don't care what anybody else Amen. says. And then God makes that thing manifest because you, when He pours the Spirit upon the Word, what happens is like putting water on any other seed. It lives. And it'll bring forth of its kind. You say, I got the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That don't mean that you're saved. Not by a long ways. Look here. You are a triune being. You are inside this little fellow here is a soul. The next is the spirit and next is the body now you got five senses in this body to contact your earthly home they don't contact the rest of it you got five senses of the spirit here love and conscience and so forth of that but in here is where you live Amen. that's what you are didn't Jesus say the rain falls on the just and the unjust put a cucklebur out here and a wheat out there and pour water on them and keep them under fertilizer and things like that won't they both live by the same water Amen. sure well, what is it? One of them will bear a cucklebur because that's all he is. Amen. The cucklebur will raise his hands and shout this is the same as the wheat. Right. Don't the Bible say in the last days there shall come false Christ? Right. Not false Jesus now. Amen. False Christ, anointed ones. Amen. Falsely anointed to the Word. Yes. Denominational anointed, but not to the Word. Amen. For the Word will bear record of itself. Amen. It don't need nothing else. It'll bear record to itself. And there will come false anointed ones. You got my tape on that. And that anoint, or if you call them and say, Oh, you are you a Jesus? Oh, certainly not. They wouldn't stand for that, but when it comes to an oh glory, I got the anointing, and it's a genuine anointing. Remember, Caiaphas has had it too and prophesied. Amen. So did Balaam have it and prophesied. But that don't have anything to do with this inside unless that was God's seed, his gene from the beginning, predestinated, you're finished. I don't care how much you shout, speak with tongues, run, shout. That has nothing to do with it. A cuckleberg can count this as much as any rest of it. I've seen heathens raise and shout and speak in tongues and, and drink blood out of a human skull and call them the devil. See, so you don't, any of them sensations and things, forget it. It's your heart and that word, and that's Christ. It's breathing there and watch it make itself known just as it opens up like any other seed and declares itself for the age it's living in. Luther could bring nothing but sprigs. These others could bring these other things. We're in a wheat age now. 
Luther's genuine Luther's had to bring forth genuine Luther. Genuine Pentecost had to bring genuine Pentecost. It's all. But we're past that age and going on. You know the Catholic Church started out the Pentecostal? And if the Pentecostal Church is standing 2,000 years, it'd be worse shape than what the Catholic is now. Amen. So exactly. I said to my brethren, my sisters, who I love, and God knows that, but remember, friends, I got to beat you under the judgment. And that will not be too long. I've got to bear record of what's the truth. When I went forth into the meetings with you, praying for the sick, it was fine. But when I come with a message, if any message goes forth, if it's a true message, of, if it's a true genuine miracles of God and hangs right in that organization, you know it's not of God. Because that thing's already declared. Jesus went forth and healed the sick in order to catch the eyes of people. Then his message. That's right. It has to have something that God's going to introduce you to divine healing and miracles like that. Just catch the eyes of the people. The main heart of it is the message. That's what is what comes from in here. He's trying to get the favor of the people so they'll sit and listen to him. See? For there's some in there that's ordained to life. Some of the rain of wheat fell on ground and the birds picked it up and others fell amongst thorns and some was went on prepared ground, pre-prepared ground and brought forth. No, it's the first thing is the sounding uh, the first thing is a trumpet, and uh, or the voice, a shout, then a voice, and then a trumpet. Shout a messenger getting the people ready. The second is the voice of the resurrection. The same voice, a uh, loud voice, in St. John 11, 38 and 44, that called Lazarus from the grave. Amen. Getting the bride together, and then the resurrection of the dead. See? To be caught up with it. Watch the three things takes place. The next is what? was a trumpet, a voice, a shout, a voice, a trumpet. Now, the third thing is a trumpet, which always at the Feast of Trumpets is calling the people to the feast. And that'll be the bride's supper, the lamb's supper with the bride in the sky. See, the first thing that comes forth is his message, calling the bride together. The next thing is a resurrection of the sleeping bride, the, the one who's died back in the other ages. They're caught together and the trumpet, the feast. Amen. In the sky. Why, well, that's the thing that takes place, friend. We're right there, ready now. The only thing the church coming out has got to lay before the sun to ripen. The great combine will come by after a while. The wheat will be burned, the stalks, but the grain will be gathered into its garner. See, you're not blind people. You're, you're sensible people. And if I stood here and said those things for prejudice, I say it because it's life, because I'm responsible to God for saying it. And I must say it. And my message all the time, knowing back there, under healing and so forth like that, was just to catch the people's attention, knowing the message would come. And here it is in them seven seals open those mysteries and showing those things is what's happened. I didn't know it. But... This man standing right here now was standing right with me. When you all heard me preach that sermon, sirs, what time is it? That morning, exactly where it said it would be, there stood seven angels standing right there from heaven. And as they went up in that whirlwind, taking them up there, we stand and watch this went away. Science took a picture of it all the way across the nations, down into Mexico. And there when I was watching one day when I started preaching these seven church ages, and I called Jack Moore, a great theologian, I said, Jack who is this person standing there? There's one like the Son of Man standing there, hair as white as wool. I said, he was a young man. How could he have hair as white as wool? He said, Brother Bram, that was his glorified body. That didn't ring the bell. But when I went in the room and started praying, he let me know what it was. See, I've always preached that he was deity, not just a man. Amen. He was God Amen. manifested in the flesh. Amen. 
God, the attribute of God, of love, the great attributes that come down displayed here on earth of God. Jesus was God's love, which built a body that Jehovah himself lived in. He was a fullness of the Godhead bodily. What God was, he manifested through that body. That body had to die so he could wash the bride with his, with his, uh, with his blood. And notice, not only is the bride washed, forgiven, but she's justified. Okay? Did you ever try the word justified to see what it means? Now, for instance, if Brother Green heard that I'd been drinking, I'd been doing bad things, then he found out that I didn't do it. Then he comes and say, I forgive you, Brother Bram. You forgive me? i never done it. What are you forgiving me about? See? But if I'm guilty, then I can be forgiven, but I'm still not just because I did it. But the word justified is though you never done it at all. Amen. Justified. And then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us so from sin till it's put in the book of God's forgetfulness. He's the only one who can do it. We, can't, we can forgive but not forget. I could forgive you, but I always remember you've done these evil things. Then you're not just, you're forgiven. But in the sight of God, the bride is justified. She never done it in the first place. Amen. Standing there, married to the virtuous Son of God. Never sinned in the first place. Why? She was foreordained. She was tripped into this. Amen. And now when she heard the truth and come forth, the blood cleansed her. Amen. And she stands there virtuous. She's Amen. no sin on her at all. Therefore, the message calls the bride together. See, the shout and the trumpet, the same one with a loud voice, he screamed out with that shout uh, and, and voice and woke Lazarus. With a loud voice, he cried, Lazarus, come forth. See? And the voice wakes up, wakes up the sleeping bride, sleeping dead. And the trumpet, with the sound of the trumpet, and when it does, it calls always a trumpet called Israel to the Feast of the Trumpets. Amen. See? Which was the Pentecostal feast, the great feast in the sky, and the Feast of the Trumpets. And now a trumpet denounced a calling together, calling to the feast, and now that is the, the uh, Lamb's Supper in the sky. Now watch. This assembling together and the bride, the Feast of the Trumpets, the Wedding Supper. We have seen it in types. Now watch just a moment before we close. Notice, we've seen it in types. Now, if you want to read in Matthew 18, 16, it says, These three that bear record, see, and in First John 5, 7, and so forth. Uh, three is always a witness. Is that right? It's a verification. Something that's right. Three witnesses bear in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. Now, notice we've had three witnesses. Three is a witness. Now, we've already had three raptures in the Old Testament. Did you know that? As a witness. Now, watch. Enoch was one. Elijah was the other. And Jesus was the other. Jesus being the keystone now. He bear record. See, he was a keystone between the Old and New Testament because he had to first die and then rapture. He died, come to life, and walked around here with us, and then was raptured up because he was the keystone that tied the two together. After his resurrection and rapture, look, after he did that and proved that the Old Testament there, we all know Enoch was translated. Amen. We know Elijah was taken up by whirlwind, that right, in a chariot of fire. And Jesus died, buried, rose up, and lived here on earth, and then was raptured up, Amen. the keystone. There's three to bear record. Is that right? Now, there has been one rapture already passed. You know that? Let's see if we can't read it right quick. Let's get Matthew, the 27th chapter. And let's get to about the 45th verse. 
of the Matthew, the uh, 27th chapter. Let's see if we can get that right quick and see if, if we can get just a little bit out of this would help us right quickly. 27 and 45, I believe I got wrote down here. Let's read. Now, from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, 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 which is say, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them that stood by uh, heard it and said, This man calls Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. The rest said, Let us see where Elias will come and save him. Jesus, when he, he had cried with a loud voice, yielded up uh, with a loud voice, loud voice, watch, when Jesus dying, screamed with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, and behold, the veil of the temple was written twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake, and the rocks did rent, and the graves were opened, and many of the bodies of saints that slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. Amen. One rapture is past. Three is happening in the Old Testament. Of them prepared who the word of the Lord came to. See? The word of the Lord came to Enoch. The word of the Lord came to Elijah's prophet. See? The word of the Lord was Jesus. See? Watching the Old Testament, them Old Testament saints now, when this rapture first had taken place, notice verse 50, his loud voice awakened the Old Testament saints just exactly like the loud voice awakened Jesus, or awakened Lazarus. Amen. See? A loud voice awake. And the second is fulfilled in Second Thessalonians, the fourth chapter. Let's just take a read. read we just read it a few minutes ago. See? I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning those that sleep. Sorry not. Even That's First Thessalonians 4, 12 to 18. That, that will be the second rapture. The second rapture will be the catching away of the bride. Amen. The Old Testament saints has gone into his presence. Paradise done away. And... Uh, Old Testament saints to sit it up at his loud voice when he screamed to give up the ghost because why? The sacrifice, the propitiation of their sins that they'd waited on, believing that perfect lamb was coming, that offered the sacrifice to the lamb, and when he died and yielded up the ghost, he screamed with a loud voice, and the Old Testament saints oh, watch the shout and the voice overhear the same thing at his coming. See? Yielded up the ghost, and when he did, the sacrifice was perfect, and paradise emptied out. And the Old Testament saints came to the earth again, walked around on earth, and entered in with him at his rapture. David said, Lift up ye everlasting gates, and be ye lifted up. He led captive, captain, give gifts unto man. And the Old Testament saints went in with him. He said, Who is this king of righteousness, the Lord of glory, mighty and host? Mighty host. Here they come in marching. Jesus led captivity captive. Here he comes with the Old Testament saints and the winner of the new gates up there and said, Lift up ye everlasting gates and be ye lifted up and let the King of glory come in. Amen. The voice come from the inside and said, Who is the King of glory? The Lord mighty in battle. Amen. The gates flew open and Jesus a conqueror led captive, captive. Them that have believed on him and the word had come to him. There are the Old Testament saints laying in there waiting. He led captive, captive. Amen. it on high. Took the Old Testament saints and went in. There's one rapture already back. Amen. The next rapture takes place is Second Thessalonians for the church, the bride, to be resurrected, to be raptured into glory. We which are alive and remain, that's the bodies left on earth, will not prevent or hinder them which are asleep. 
For the trumpet of God shall sound first, and the dead in Christ shall rise. See? And we which are alive and remain shall caught up together with them. As we get towards the end of this episode, we will end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for speaking to us today. Like David says, One thing have we desired of Thee that I will seek after, and that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. So, Father, we thank Thee for the opportunity of being called Your sons and Your children. Lord, looking at the world in these last days and trouble on every side and silver unrest, we had fainted unless we had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Father, for that reason, we wait on Thee. We are of good courage, and we know that You shall strengthen our hearts. And so we wait on Thee. We take this word that we've heard today, and may You make it alive in our hearts and in our minds and in our bodies and in our souls. In the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you. I'll keep praying, watching and waiting for you. And I'll keep praying, watching and waiting, hoping you'll be back before too long. You know I love you, and I'm thinking of you. So I'll keep praying, watching and waiting for you. Thank you for the letters you wrote, left for me to read. I read one about every day. Your word comforts me. Thank you for the men you sent to tell me about my future home. They said you ain't no way to build it. Hope it don't take too long. And I'll keep praying, watching and waiting, 
Hoping you'll be back before too long You know I love you And I'm thinking of you So I'll keep praying Watching and waiting for you Praying Watching and waiting Hoping you'll be back before too long You know I love you And I'm thinking of you So I'll keep praying Watching and waiting you And I'll keep praying Watching and waiting